You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to VHS Gems, the podcast in which we watch those old VHS movies from your childhood or possibly movies that you didn't even know existed, like this one today for me, <laughs> and, I know, and sort of just, just watch them and talk about them, see whether or not they hold up, see what happened to the cast and what went on for the production if there was ever sequels or anything like that if it should be made into if it should have a sequel if it should be remade ooh, we could talk about those things too um i am joined with john hello and i am i which is jessica and we are talking about my science project from 1985 that's what i pulled out of our treasure chest this week this was one I was looking forward to. I have not seen this since the early 90s, I think. Okay, so now with our last one, Stay Tuned, you said that second rewatch of it was not that great. How do you feel about your second rewatch of My Science Project? You know, I actually, uh, it brought back a lot of the good memories I had about it, but I really misremembered it. Um, I thought that the whole like time traveling thing that happened at the end, or the dimensional whatever opening mm -hmm. i thought that the movie was a lot more of that and not just like the last 10 minutes oh yeah okay because yeah. like first time watching through like the way this movie started to where it got it felt like two entirely different movies. <laughs> so that makes a lot oh, yeah. of sense like once it got to the actual time travel ish aspect to it i was like is this the same film because it, it very much started out like one of the movies I think I'm kind of sort of made you watch and do a live tweet of, like, I don't know, a year ago now, was um, The Strongest Man in the World, which yeah. is like a Disney science sci-fi movie. It really much started out like that. <laughs> and then it sort of went, no, it's a crazy sci-fi. People are shooting T-Rexes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what is happening? It takes a detour. Like, it, it takes a big detour. <laughs> like, as soon as they picked up those guns, I was like, wait, we're actually going to try to kill people? We're not going to think about the time, like, issue with killing people from a different... Wait, what is... <laughs> what is no, happening? They, right they, they kill people from different, uh, like, eras of history with impunity. Um, yeah. Not, not taking into account how this could affect, you know, the future timelines or... You know, this could have been yeah. uh, like a butterfly effect situation that alters history. Nope. There's yeah. really no repercussions whatsoever. Or just like science in general. Like just this is even fictional science would would show the repercussions of this. Or no, like they, just... 
They play very fast and loose with any kind of realistic uh, science here in this. Uh, even though it's called My Science Project, um, it's really more like it might as well be magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it pretty much is magic. So, I mean, I I will know I did have a good time watching it, I guess, but. Not as much of a good time as I did Stay Tuned. Like, I feel like Stay Tuned mm. is slightly above this one. And it's mainly because that, like, 180 really hit me hard. Okay. Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, they don't do a good job of setting up where it's going to go for sure. Yeah. Let's... No, they don't do a good job of setup up at all. Here. But it has one of the best character arcs in, like, 80s movie history. Where you have a guy who's only about his car. And the end, he's like, eh, it's just a car. I know. You've got some character development <laughs> in there with that those two lines. Just all I care about are cars. Eh, we can leave it. It's yeah. just it's great. Which that car though. Ooh, that was a nice car. Alright, so my science project came out in nineteen eighty five. It was a touchstone production release, but it's under the Walt Disney Studios Studios as well now that was um, because then, disney yeah. wanted to start releasing more mature movies but not directly mm -hmm. under the disney brand is that what that was yeah pretty much disney wanted to you know feel like you know disney wanted probably more just to get more money and was like well uh, yeah but <laughs> yeah. we're a child yeah <laughs> like we're a child you know entertainment we probably shouldn't be doing things that involve guns or anything so they're like we'll just let these other productions do it or like buy i think their other one was miramax so like miramax films in the 80s and 90s were technically owned by disney oh gotcha disney just didn't want anything to do with it because it's not kitty and then they went and go went ahead and put an alien ride in the middle of walt disney world tomorrowland for some reason but actually i do know the reason for that one but that's complicated mm. <laughs> They were like, no, kid rides only. Oh, Alien. Which, that ride, I got to go on before it closed. And it was actually absolutely terrifying, but utterly amazing. Like, I loved it. It was cool. It scared me, but it was such a cool ride. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty terrified of the uh, Pinocchio ride when that wild comes out at you. I'm like, whoa. I was not expecting oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that and Mr. Toad's, where you go to hell at the end. Oh, that one's a pretty good one, too. And you get hit by a train. <laughs> It's great. I think part of it is that you're supposed to be traumatized as a child. It's good for your development. <laughs> it's like kind of hit or miss in the psychology world, whether or not it's good or not, or whether or not we just <laughs> deal with it. It's just, and it's like slowly realizing that entire generations just have trauma. It's just, mm. just, just how it but is. That's Maybe how you get senses of humor. Trauma. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to do it. All right, so this movie starts out in the past in 1955 and an old Air Force base, Dawson Air Force Base, which I had to look up if it was a real base or not, which it's like not, but there is a base in Dawson Forest in West Virginia or something like that. So, mm. um, But this base is definitely fictional. I don't know actually where this town was at all because it was a desert-like town. Oh, was it in Tucson? Okay, I yes. totally missed that. As a matter of it's fact, uh, I was going to bring that up a bit later. But yes, uh, one of the things that stood out to me was that they went to the same airplane graveyard that's also featured mm -hmm. in another 80s movie called Loverboy. 
boy. Okay. And um, yeah, so they they filmed in a lot of the same areas where other '80s movies also took place, um, mm. such as The Wraith, one of my other favorite '80s movies that was already covered in the previous incarnation of this podcast. Unfortunately, ah, uh, I don't see why we couldn't redo it though, because that one's good. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, so Tucson, Arizona, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from where we're currently sitting right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very deserty. However, the high school location is in Van Nuys, California. That I had to look up because I was like, I know I've seen that place before. That did not look like <laughs> an Arizona high school. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know. I- that's why I couldn't place it because it's like, okay, I see Desertscape when we leave town, but when we're in town, it looks like any other California city. <laughs> and that's exactly right. So that was Van Nuys, California. That location has actually also been used for Fast Times at Richmond High, um, mm. Spider-Man Homecoming for something more recent, uh, Young Sheldon, and also the 80s horror movie Christine, a Stephen King flick, which also starred the main character from this movie, Mr. John Stockwell, son of Dean John Stockwell, Stockwell, who you might know as uh, the guy on Quantum Leap that has the little multicolored computer thing. Oh, yeah, that guy. The Lego computer. Yeah. Got his, it. His little Lego <laughs> computer. Yeah. So, right, yeah, cool. just a little, little quick roundabout of some of that trivia already there right off the start. Yeah, well, you're clearly the trivia person of this podcast, because I don't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, at Dawson Air Force Base, there's, like, basically a UFO comes out of nowhere and crash lands, and... Literally nowhere, because we don't see anything. It's all just, like, sound effects. (laughs) Yeah, and basically all you get is this guy gets called up to go into the base, and he was golfing, and I assume he's a commander. I don't even know. I don't even remember his name. That was supposed to be President Eisenhower. Oh, oh, now it makes sense. I was like, why does he look so prolific? <laughs> That's how much I was paying attention. I was, I was like, very distracted like, as I was watching He, he must be important. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what? Is he the commander? I, I love, he, spot on with, the, I should have known with the glasses, actually. <laughs> but yeah. um, the cutest little golf outfit, just traditional golf outfit. Great. And uh, he finds, it's a spaceship and instantly he like asked the tip like well were there life forms in it now they died and blah 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 and he's like get rid of it and i swear i thought they were getting rid of it with the shrunk shrinking machine from honey i shrunk the kids like that's, that's what it looked like to me I was like, yeah is this shrinking it i was like did they have laser beams like that in the 50s like that seems like we don't even have that now they had it in, I can tell you they had it in the sci-fi movies of the 50s. Oh, well, yeah. I remember, yeah. Like, that's what they used so to fight Godzilla. They, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what they were, ba- this is the sci-fi 50s. And so, yes, we do have lasers, but it really reminded me of the shrink ray more than the lasers. Because I did not understand how they were getting rid of it. Nor do I understand later on how that small piece of it survived as yeah. well. Because it kind of just cut because all of a sudden you get that that they destroy the alien ships and then it cuts right to 1985 what i had first assumed was a college science class but no it's a high school (laughs) science class (laughs) you know you're not the only one i've actually seen a review where somebody says like no you're this isn't college these are high school students but john stockwell is 24 years old playing a high school senior 
that everybody in that movie looks significantly older than they are, but it was more the way that the professor or I guess teacher was with the students and the way the classroom was laid out that I was like, this looks like a college lecture. But yeah. then he kept on saying science class and I was like, well, you don't say science class in college. You say, you know, biology or chemistry or whatever. So I'm like, okay, clearly this is high school. All right. That's cool. Um, and a very disinterested you, hippie teacher. Very disinterested hippie teacher. Just like, just get your project done. But he was very much interested in our main character, um, Harland. Who yes. sits... Is he's, he's the... Sits in the back of the class. I think you were supposed to kind of sort of get that he was like the popular... Not bad guy, but like tough guy i i don't know what his archetype was but he's a mechanic yeah he's like the stereotypical greaser i would say yeah Yeah, there you go like he didn't quite pull it off as much as his like best buddy did who was like straight up he was like straight up out of the 50s like with the bowling shirt and the slicked up hair what it was was he was supposed to just be an italian from brooklyn and i was like (laughs) That's not an Italian from Brooklyn. <laughs> no. That's somebody trying to be an Italian. From well, and we should point like, out then, uh so the yes, the this was uh the character Vince Latello was being played by Fisher Stevens, who is very mm-hmm. much a white guy, but he's famous for playing kind of inappropriately a very very Hindu man in Short Circuit. <laughs> Oh, oh, Short Circuit. <laughs> okay. All right. I haven't watched that one in a long time. I cannot remember if that's a gem or not. I think it is. It better oh, be. It better be. Uh, well, it, it has a sequel, too. And in fact, he's like the lead of the sequel. Um, and yeah, so I feel bad that I grew up thinking this guy was Hindu, where he was not. And uh, I didn't yeah. think I realized that until I saw him in Hackers. And he was like, oh, he does a really good American accent. And he's like, oh, crap, he's not Hindu. <laughs> he's, he's, he's white. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is very white, which I thought like, he was so obviously a white actor. I didn't even think he was an Italian from Brooklyn at first. I thought he was like like Latino. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, okay. did they just whitewash a Latino? <laughs> like, but then he was like, oh, no, I'm an Italian from Brooklyn. And I'm like, uh, he's <laughs> like very, okay. He's very, very versatile. Actually, and you know what's funny now that I think about it is that Fisher Stevens and Dennis Hopper, who plays the teacher, have a little bit of a reunion later on when they're both in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah, Dennis Hopper plays uh, King Koopa in the live action version oh right oh oh yeah (laughs) i feel like we're we that's the second time we referenced that movie and we're gonna have to eventually watch it yeah what did we say the last time i was like was it john Leguizamo or something well you were talking about somebody that was in the animated movie or oh yeah captain lou albano i thought you were talking about the live action one i was like that's right that's right the 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 person that played the ring announcer in the stay tuned was from the the cartoon yes um so yeah you get introduced to harland harland has not done his science project which was this was instantly where i was like oh this is high school because his final is just a science project and it's you know doing that like three-sided board thing with the hypothesis and all that oh yeah (laughs) 
but he hasn't figured it out because he's a mechanic and you know he needs money so he's always just working on cars which i was like there's plenty of science projects you can do with engines and stuff that's some bullcrap excuse but okay yeah. like i mean you, you could do so many things i mean you could do like different fuel sources you could do like which sports car goes farther by the gallon or you know just anything easy easy peasy I don't, I don't, I didn't get that. That was just lazy. Yeah, on no, his part. it I'm was sorry. just easier to break into an abandoned military facility and just steal something from there. That, that is true. Now, yeah. after getting kind of sort of berated from his science teacher, who was basically just like, just do a project, you're going to fail and you're not going to get a diploma. Um, he gets dumped by his current girlfriend, Crystal, I think was her name. Which I pretty much called because she was reading a Cosmopolitan magazine. And I said, oh, that's a girl that's about to dump her boyfriend. So, yeah, she was very uh, progressive. Oh, yeah. Very, very progressive, but very just. As soon as she saw Cosmopolitan, I was like, oh, no, she's reading Cosmopolitan. And she thinks she's discovering herself. Okay, cool. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, she dumps him because all he does is take her to the same places and hang out at the garage or whatever. And just after he gets dumped, he runs into a yearbook photographer. Um, and I completely forgot her name. And she's like the main character. I know her name is Ellie, but he calls her, what, Sawyer at first, I think? Sawyer, sure, last name. Yeah, Ellie Sawyer. Yeah, which was, was that weird that they just all always first talk to each other in their last names as opposed to their first names? Like, I don't remember ever calling any of my friends or people I knew by their last name. Was that, like, 1980s thing, or... Maybe it was just a regional thing. It was, like, showed respect by calling someone their last name, or maybe it showed you don't care enough to know their name by just calling them their last name. I was like, I'll just address you by your family's, like, crest as opposed to, like, you individually. Actually, I feel like it's probably the latter, because that definitely feels like 1980s high school cliche bullshit. Like, just, if you didn't like somebody, you just called them by their last name. Um, And she basically says that she wants to get a photo of him, and she wants him to do something for the yearbook, whatever. And he's hesitant to do it, and she's just like, "Uh, I heard that Crystal dumped you, or whatever. And he's like, no, I dumped her. And, like... Okay, dude. But you get a bit of, I like this girl from her. I really liked um, Ellie from the start. I was like, I like her. She's she's kind of sort of gung-ho, kind of nerdy, and, you know. She has moxie. Yeah, she has moxie. Um, let's see. After that, he goes to the garage, and that's, I feel like that's where you meet the greaser Brooklyn Italian guy, Vinny. Right, Vinny? Yeah. Vinny Latello Vince, yeah. Yeah, Vince Vince Latello, which is just very just stereotypical nineteen fifties Italian greaser living in the nineteen eighties, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean he was just yeah. very retro, you know, he was ahead of his the time. He was. He was ahead of the time by being behind the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um also during this time. As they're leaving school, Sawyer's car is broken down and it's causing a huge traffic jam. And, of course, Harland 
goes and tries to help Rikari, and it's a very easy fix, and he basically goes to her and he says, you're smart enough, like, that doesn't happen, like, why'd you intentionally break down your car? It's like a radiator cap, radiator cap was off or something, I don't know. But, um, and she basically sort of blackmails him into going on a date with her because she doesn't want to be the yearbook spinster. Because mm. I guess she's never been on a date. Even though she does have a geeky friend that seems to get very, very upset over her going on a date with Harland. Oh, I know all Which, about that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I do. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very annoying. It's one of the most annoying archetypes, I think, for guys in general to be that like geeky, nice guy that just gets super jealous when the girl he likes is going out with somebody she actually likes. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't like you. Like, please, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, it's a cliche for a reason. It's definitely, yeah. it fits the bill. Yeah, it is. It's a big cliche. It's also very annoying, but, um, they, oh, and his car, by the way, which of course, as a mechanic, he has to have a really nice car. It's a Pontiac GTO can't quite remember the year 1960 it looked like a 1967 ish to me but that sounds about right definitely 1960s and it's got the blower on the top which becomes like a plot point later when they outrun electricity yeah when they when they outrun electric yeah that scene yeah (laughs) yeah that um, i mean if if of all the things that happened in the movie that was probably one of the most incredulous. I was like, come on, you expect me to believe this? It was already, like, preposterous uh, as it was. Yeah, I think that was the start of the <laughs> comedy of just... And then we just went, screw reality, we're just going to yeah. do this. We're going to do whatever we want. Yeah, there really were no rules in this after that point. I think Maybe that was to show us that, you know, that we were no longer playing in, like, normal physics... Yeah. Yeah, this is where we're going now. So Harlan takes um, Sawyer Ellie out on a date and naturally... Oh, wait, I forgot. In between this, Harlan goes home and meets his dad's new girlfriend who Harlan has issues with. I don't know why. She seemed perfectly fine, but she's a makeup artist, I think, or works at a salon or whatever, and... Yeah, I think they mentioned that she was like the makeup lady at a department store. Like, so I'm assuming she's the one that shows you how to put on the stuff and sells yes. it to you. Yeah, yeah, she definitely with the way she did her makeup looked like it, as like they're <laughs> wearing all the makeup that they sell. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I actually liked her character. It was it was very sweet. I wish I got more of her character, and I can't even remember her name either. <laughs> but yeah. And I think that was so Dolores. Obs- yeah, Dolores. There you go. And also he has a pet dog, too, named Sparky or something like that. Very cute dog. Doesn't really do anything to the plot, the fact that he has a dog. I don't think the dog ever helps out in any situation. No, it was just there. He's just there. It's it's kind of sort of like just, oh, and he's a good guy because he has a dog. Like That's, that's what it felt like to me. I guess, sort of, yeah. yeah, a way to establish his character. Um, he goes to pick up uh, Ellie, and she, and he decides that for their first date, for whatever reason, he's going to. They're going to 
you know, break and enter into an Air Force base, an abandoned airfield, basically. Which is just the dream for first dates. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I mean, not so fond. <laughs> it, I guess it just depends, you know, different stroke for different folks. But definitely, if you're in a dress, you don't want to be shimmying under a hole in a fence no. in like dirt lot where there's guard dogs I, and rats. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely would have wanted to be warned what I would be doing. I definitely would have not wanted to be doing anything illegal, but, like, going into an abandoned airfield is pretty awesome. <laughs> but, like, an abandoned airfield that was once, you know, that is, you know, protected by the military, not so awesome, because that's that's a felony. <laughs> so, but that's just me. But then again, I mean, teenagers, like, you're like, eh, teenagers. It's probably what they would have done if they caught them. Eh, teenagers. <laughs> Go away. But um, it was a really cool abandoned airfield. You already mentioned that the airfield was in other movies, too. Yep, yeah, and so. it's a real location. Um, actually, thinking back, I wonder if this is also the same airfield that they had in Transformers 2. Because there was a scene where they're supposed to be at the Smithsonian, but then they go out into the backyard, and then all of a sudden it's an airplane graveyard. And I was like, that doesn't look like the same location anymore. That does not look like the Smithsonian. I wonder, maybe. Yeah, I'll have to go back and double check because on that it one. it looked kind of close to the same. Yeah, that was a really confusing edit because I was very confused over how we got to that airfield. Like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like, they don't care about logic and geography at all. Mm-mm. No, they don't. Um, speaking of geography, he ends up falling down into a hole i guess it's more geology actually over geography but he falls into a hole and that's where he ends up finding this machine that just looks like well later on it eventually looks like one of those plasma balls that you touch and the little static hits you oh that was exactly (laughs) what that was as a matter of fact I had to do some research because I'm like, they're really using the hell out of that. And I know that that was like not that big a deal. But it turns out that that actually was patented like maybe just a year prior. So it was Mm -hmm. technically brand new technology. Like, I think a lot of people probably had never seen one before when this movie came out and were probably like, whoa, what is that? That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Actually, like I actually had one for quite a while. I it's just one of those like looks crazy sciencey, but it's all just static electricity really that works it. But, Basically, yeah. But it looks neat. Those little purple lightning bolts and, and you feel like a mad scientist. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> oh yeah. But it definitely was that. That was the the breaking dimension machine. Um, I just double checked. That was filmed in Tucson, also for the Transformers. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So, wow. That's good to know. Um, For some reason, in the hole, also, there's just that odd collection of all things desert animal. There's, like, a snake, a Gila monster, which are, like, some of the coolest poisonous lizards ever. I love Gila monsters. Um, And just, and also, for whatever reason, there's a rat as well which i'm like that's just a lot of rodents to be oh, well. like it should have been those little desert mice as opposed to a rat no yeah that was that was like a straight up new york subway rat just walking through yeah that that was a, that was a big brown rat i'm like oh, <laughs> they're cute little hoppy desert 
mice. That's what we have. They're adorable. I almost run them over on my way to work all the time. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, all sorts of animals. There's a guard with a German shepherd. Of course, he, the German shepherd is realizing that something's going on, starts to bark. There's also a coyote howling in the background. Just, yep, we're in the middle of the desert now. And we're going to find a fun glowing orb. That's and then, oh, basically it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. This was also where I found there was a slight problem with editing or something or just concept of reality. And the fact that like, he fell in the hole straight down and then he clearly moved into like another room or something. Yet later on when he asks for a flashlight, Ellie just drops him straight down a flashlight from the same hole. And I was like, no, that's not where he is. <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe that that device was already warping reality. And that kind of just sidesteps all of these, you know, plot holes. It's it's not just bad editing. Exactly. Bad writing. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. And this is also where um, they, okay, so there's a chase scene. They grab the thing. There's a chase scene. They get out, of course, and... They're driving away, and the GTO breaks down for some reason. It's because of the glowy orb machine thing. It breaks down. Yeah, it seems to indicate that it sucks power from things. Yeah, it's it sucks power so that it can power up. But the first time, nothing happened other than it turning off the car. So I guess it wasn't enough power to pull anything from another dimension. From that's what I assumed. Yeah, I not not quite yet. This. Yes. Um, and this is where you get that line where he's like, I'm not going to walk into town. People can't know that my car broke town. I'm a mechanic. (laughs) And I'm like, you have like a 1960s, like Pontiac GTO. Like, it's okay. (laughs) Like that occasionally breaks down. It's impressive enough as it is. Like, right. It's occasionally, you know, like, alrighty, dude. And so he refuses to walk into town, so instead what he does is he calls Vinny to come pick him up, and Vinny's on a date. This is probably one of my favorite scenes, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. And that was, I think, where it went, oh, this isn't like a typical Disney cutesy sci-fi movie, was when it cuts to Vinny's car with the fogged mirrors and it's rocking. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not only that, but something I had never considered... um, to accessorize my car with Christmas lights. Oh yeah, and just no, I've uh, seen some people do that. Yeah, I guess I was like, if you're gonna have a car and go to like make out point, might as well make it festive looking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm yes. gonna have to get me some LEDs then, and a car. <laughs> and a car. <laughs> um. Actually, that's why I have these back here in my background. <laughs> There's, I'm already halfway there. Yep. Um, you, um, I, I don't know. When did I write? Oh, so I want to say as Ellie's being dropped off or something, some like you find out they've been spied on. I think it's the geeky guy and a couple of the jocks for some reason. Yeah, and it's something straight out of like, um, like my was it sixteen candles crossed with like weird science where like the nerds have like all this spike gear and one of them's got like a satellite dish attached to his head and Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's like okay. Yeah, they're they're playing that nerd trope a little too hard right there. Yep, yeah, they were playing it a little too hard. Also, this is where you get the geeky guy does actually like Ellie and he's upset, so he's gonna use the jocks to do something against Harland. Yeah, I guess I they they um they decided to vandalize his vehicle basically with like whipped cream or shaving cream or something. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Uh but we get another reference to Star Wars in that scene. Yes. Yes. I remember now. Yeah. So to hide yeah, their identities, was... all of the vandals wear uh, two Stormtrooper and one Darth Vader helmet. One, one Darth Vader helmet. Yeah. Which makes sense because at this point, Star Wars would have still been pretty fresh in the public consciousness. It would have been something like in Stay Tuned, where it was def- like several, several years after it had you know been popular. Mm-hmm. This would definitely yeah. have been right around that time. Like, yeah, it, it would make sense for people to have Star Wars helmets for fun. Yeah, because the the trilogy ended in eighty three, right? Or did it end in eighty five? Uh, it, it was eighty three. Was eighty three? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I remembered a year. That's weird. But. Um. Oh, this is also when she's getting dropped off. This is where you get that. Well, my name is Ellie, and you find out that Harlan's name is Michael. Yes. Yay. So you know <laughs> they start bonding. They you know shared some moments together. Yep they they started bonding, shared some moments, and then he goes back to the garage to try to fix the GTO. But he also shows. His Brooklyn friend, I just, I refer to him as his Brooklyn friend in my notes, um, <laughs> Vinny, <laughs> um, the weird plasma ball machine thing. Yep. And they decide oh. to start playing around with it and start, like, it has these two little knobs on it and they just start kind of randomly pushing them. And yeah. they, so little things start happening. Now, this is actually something, I don't know what you would call this, but I have a, a love for little movie props that have working mechanisms because mm-hmm. somebody had to engineer that so this was like yeah. a perfect example of it because this looks really well built like you know it looks like it's actually made out of metal except for the plasma mm-hmm. ball part the parts that move together move really well like there's a really co- well constructed mechanism um, mm-hmm. other movies that have similar props like this include uh, Buckaroo Banzai um, and whatever the rest of the title is, because I can't remember it all off the top of my head now. Uh, he has like a little device that's like a key, but it's also like a box that you have to like turn in many. Like it's almost like a Rubik's cube puzzle box to turn on uh-huh. like his multi-dimensional uh, like race car that he drives. It's it's weird, but um, yeah. So just these little things that actually work are really cool mm. to me. And this is one of those that's like, oh yeah, it's like just this weird little oblong shaped thing with like a round center and like these little weird markings and you press these buttons and things pop out the sides you know like i always found that kind yeah. of thing really cool oh yeah that's that's really cool it was a really cool thing and it's always like tiny little mechanical and hydraulic stuff that always goes inside those props but it looks so real on the films you're like yeah no that's a time machine like yeah it's it's a a warp engine for spaceship or whatever that was um i like that they never really uh, i mean this kind of goes on a little bit later um but they never really fully explain what it is they just kind of deal with it so either they're being smart by letting you kind of fill in the blanks yourself, or they're being lazy by not actually explaining yeah. anything and saying it doesn't really matter. Either way, it kind of still that works. One. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's like, I think, I think I always mention one of the most frustrating things writing sci-fi is trying to figure out how they make fake gravity in space. So like Star Wars takes place in space, but you never deal with like, oh, the gravity's turned off and people start floating. Or yeah. anything like that. Like you never like Star Wars is the least space movie of space movies. <laughs> yeah, it's just a backdrop for really think about fantasy. It. Yeah, but like you know, if you're doing a futuristic space book or movie or whatever, that you need to have false gravity in your spaceships because you just need to because it's the future. But you t- there's there's no nobody even has theorized how you could possibly do that i know because i tried to find the theory and i couldn't find it nor well, would i be able to understand I mean, it anyway they, they do have ways to cheat it like 2001 probably had one of the best explanations for artificial uh, artificial gravity um yeah. and that was that spinning portion that yeah. was like gyroscope yeah. Yeah, that's the current one, but that's not the future, is to constantly have to have your ship spinning. Like, that's oh, not yeah. the future. So something that's, that actually know. pulls you down to the ground yes. know, at a certain yes. axis. Yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> Yeah, I think I created um, gravity tiles or something that when they're energized under the floor with just a little bit of electricity, um, they pull you down like gravity. Why not that's, just magnetic boots? That's how I did it. Yeah. Or magnet? No, because no, <laughs> that's not future. Because <laughs> then you always have to wear the boots. No, it's future like is just now. having a floor that you could turn on and off. <laughs> and that was yeah, that that was my thing. Was it's it's now, a does, tile that goes does, under the floor. Does that reach that all the way up to the ceiling? Mass. No, but you can turn it off. So you can turn you know you can turn the electricity electricity to the tile off, and then you can float. Like you would in space. Well, like let's say you're carrying a cup of coffee. You'll have, yeah, no, no. It it pulls it pulls mass. It creates false gravity because okay. it has so much mass when it's electrified that it creates a false gravity. How much power so does that use? Your coffee is also fine. I don't. Know. <laughs> I didn't plan that out. All I did was say that would be cool if you could also turn it off on certain areas so that you could have a club where the sides of the club are gravity, but the dance floor is no gravity boom oh so like in um ready player one <laughs> yes exactly that was totally go. what i was inspired by because that was the coolest thing okay yeah. i was like i want to dance in no gravity that's great how can you do that yeah magnetic tiles so, yes magnetic tiles like mass tile i think i said it's mad i don't know why i did that i don't know i could have just been like star wars and just never explain it ever but I'm not lazy like the people who did this movie. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, they put... So back to the movie. Uh, <laughs> Vinny and Michael decide to power up the machine just by putting it to a car, batter, car battery with some... Um, <laughs> with with things. The jumper cables. cables. There we go, jumper cables. <laughs> I always want to call them spark plugs, and I know that's not what it is, but I legit will always think spark plugs first (laughs) and go in my head, spark plugs, no, that's not it, cable, cable something, jumper cable, there we go, that's how my brain You'll get there, that's good. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, They put jumper cables to it from, I think, a car battery to that, and then that's when wibbly-wobbly-woo time stuff happens, and there's a weird purple cloud, and also a... What they say was an Egyptian vase appears. That was a Greek vase. I'm yeah. sorry. That was not Egyptian at all. Well, they're not very like, smart. No, they're not very smart. 
it didn't even have hieroglyphics on it. it just yeah, looked, no. Yeah. It looked very but, Greco-Roman. Um, yeah, it was very Greco-Roman. But um, also, there was like a battle then, axe that appeared in like one of the. Oh yeah, they didn't notice that it like had shot out and was you know stabbed into like the ceiling or something of their garage. And also, when they leave, they find out that two hours of time went by. I yeah. Think. Yeah, there was but, like a time jump where like to them it was just, you know, right then and there, but outside of that, time moved forward like 2 hours. Yeah, but this is where it gets very confusing because I don't think that time jump concept ever really came back or if it did, you, they never said how much time had went by. With the whole like when it gets big, like it doesn't seem like any time had passed. <laughs> Like, a significant amount of time. Well, it was Maybe enough time for them that. to flunk out on their science, like, project presentation. Yes, and so, yeah, he flunks out, and but then he tries to fix it by actually give, showing the project to his science teacher after class. Yeah, which, by the way, we didn't touch up on it, but in his first scene when he's giving his, like, I wouldn't say it's a lecture because he's not a professor. He's teaching the class, yeah. I guess. Um, the scene ends with him taking a hit from, like, an oxygen tank or something. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he just straight up inhales pure <laughs> oxygen, which, yes, would make you a little high and is not recommended. It's very dangerous to Yes, uh, you get oxygen poisoning. Um, that reminded me because he was also in another movie called Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh, directed by David Lynch, one of my favorite disturbing directors. His movies usually make no sense, um, but they're really creepy. And he plays a character called Frank Booth. And his character is basically a psycho who likes to carry a tube, a, a canister of what I think is uh. nitrous oxide. Okay. And he likes to just take like these really long hits of it. Before he okay. before he really goes crazy, like it's like his preparation. That's neat. <laughs> it's yeah, it's weird. It's a it's an interesting character <laughs> choice. I don't know why it is that that's how it is, but yeah. Uh-huh. And so this was, I think, a couple of years before that movie. I want to say, or maybe okay. it was already in production at the time, and it was kind of like a little in joke from him. Sometimes actors will do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was just a little weird character thing that they did for him where, again, it just kind of shows that he's like a hippie teacher. Um, he's very blasé about everything. He's really disenfranchised. Um, yeah. But until he's presented with this device and then all of a sudden he just goes giddy yes. with excitement. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot. Before they show the professor, the, um, Vinny and Michael decide to go to the library to try to figure out their machine or what it is. That's the first place they go to, I think. And this is where you get the scene that um, it's just such that like the nerd being the bully scene where like the, the guy, I don't even remember this character's name, but he's the nerdy guy that likes Ellie. He's just picking on them for, like, not knowing how a library... Like, he's being really mean to them. I think that's Sherman, yeah. 
Yeah, Sherman. He's just well, being so stereotypical. Nice. Like you can't be cool and have a name like Sherman. He's just like you're just doomed from the start. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Although the first thing I think of when I hear Sherman is P. Sherman Wallaby name Wallaby <laughs> Way Sydney. See, so. I think of the Shermanator from American Pie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, I think Finding Nemo, and you think American Pie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least none um, of us thought of the Nutty Professor. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a good one, too, though. Um, basically, they don't find out that much. They try to tell the professor about the project. And... What did my notes do? <laughs> So, and then is that the scene in which the professor gets sucked into time? Yeah, he starts to first really like trip out. It's almost like he's reliving the 60s. Um, yeah. He goes on this kind of almost like maniacal speech about how like time and space are at his fingertips, I think. Um, yeah, he's the <laughs> one with the void. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and then... There's just a really quick cut. I can tell that they probably didn't have a lot of budget for it. But they, there's a puppet that looks like it's being stretched out that looks like him. And it's just there for just a, yeah. like maybe a half a second and then it's gone. And then and, it's gone. So it's like he stretches back into time. And, yeah. I guess it sucks yes. him into time. And um, that's when it starts to create the power surge. And mm-hmm. they realize, oh, like, this is drawing power from the building, and it's going to try to draw power from, I guess, like, the main power plant in town or something. So they, that's when they decide to jet off to the local yes. hardware store, yes. steal dynamite, because apparently they just have it for sale on the shelf. They, well, I mean, I guess it's the 80s. Maybe you did for when you were doing home renovation. I don't know. But the you other thing was like, that's Vinny, the answer. Brooklyn the Italian, eight. just like, yeah, I know how to use dynamite. It's like, what New York Brooklyn kid? Okay. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think it's just there, there were so many less restrictions in the 80s. Uh, it yeah. wasn't until the 90s where you started having like, all these, like, oh, you can't have toy guns that look realistic. You got to put an orange tip on them. Oh, you can't have real fireworks, only sparklers and things that are like very low flammability. Yeah, like the 80s were the time, man. That's when everybody was just doing coke and had very little reservations about safety. It's just wild. Yeah, well, like, to be fair, it was like at the end of the 80s that we started getting like mass shootings and stuff like that. And this is also you true. Know also like toy guns need to not look like real guns because you might accidentally get shot you know so oh yeah that kind of stuff but we're not gonna get political here because this is about movies also for a guy he goes back to his house to get the machine and when he does um he had he finds out that um dad's girlfriend is now his stepmom i guess they got married or they're going to get married i don't know in like and they made it sound like they were married already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that she, was so they got married within 24 hours, apparently, so, upon so, Michael meeting her. So. so that that gaudiness of the living room, I've seen actual places that look like that in the 80s, uh, even up oh, to yeah, like no. the early 90s. Like that was how people yeah. thought things should look. 
oh yeah no like and you know eventually chevron's gonna be out of style it's like the current new thing and gray walls it's decor is so interesting it lasts like 10 years and it's very much of its decade oh yeah the 80s i think will very much stay in the 80s all things 80s is just yeah, like black furniture so and like, you know, the thing about the 80s that I remember the most, mm-hmm. there were these things that you would hand. They were basically lamps. I think they were called waterfall lamps. Okay. Um, so it had like a golden, uh, like a golden top and a golden base, but they were meant to be hanging from like the ceiling. It was almost like a little mini chandelier. There was usually okay. a statue in the middle uh, or like a little figurine in the middle. Um, There were some columns that kind of supported the tops and the bottoms. And then there were these like filaments, these like kind of like it looked like fishing string or fish wire, whatever you call it, like clear kind of like wire that went, you know, the length of the thing. Mm -hmm. And it was motorized. And there was like oil that would like drip down on the on the individual strands it looked like it was like basically raining all around this thing and uh-huh. everybody in the 80s had one of these things even my own parents had one in their house which eventually they threw away because that thing collected collected dust like nobody's business it was almost impossible to clean because it was just like oil so as soon as they started getting dirty it just wouldn't flow it just got gunky but that was a thing. These things. Yes, ask your parents. They might know what I'm talking about here. These, I think they were called waterfall, uh, waterfall lamps or something like that. You'll find them. Trust me. You can't mistake okay. these when you see them. I did just do a Google search waterfall lamp, and that is not what came up. <laughs> so you may have to find it and send me a picture of it so I can be like, hey, did you guys have this? Because, wow. No, the one like light fixture actually no though i think the light fixture i'm thinking of is probably from the 70s because my grandpa grandmother's house was very 70s decor for quite a while but actually i, I just I found a whole bunch of these they're called a uh, rain lamp uh hanging rain ceiling lamp. yes okay all right i will <laughs> look oh my gosh what okay <laughs> Yes. That looks amazing. And this would have been right at home in that like person's redecoration of the house with uh, oh Dolores my... in them. Gosh, it would. I don't think my parents had one of these. but You'd be surprised. I will ask them. Also, these are going for insane money. Holy crap. I know. You need to find one. Like $630? Oh. Jeez. Jeez. All right. Man, now I kind of wish my parents hung on to it. Maybe that's something that should come back, rain lamps, but like in a more sustainable <laughs> or something a, way, like the modern rain lamp. I feel a little like, more modern. I feel like our generation would buy that, too. I feel like millennials would be all over rain lamps. I don't, I don't know, especially if you put their like favorite character in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I could easily like see it. You know, that would look great with the weeping angel in the middle. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> Oh, we got to get that for Mitch's yeah. wedding present. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is also where you get the scene that, um, you know, the people are wearing the Stormtrooper helmet and the Darth Vader helmet. So they're there when the professor goes on his trip fest. And, and Ellie also comes back 
which I will note when um, Michael calls Ellie to tell her to go to the school to show the professor the science project. Um, she is reading Cosmo <laughs> as well. Also, just, yeah. Um, she I mean, that was that was probably Cosmo, the beginning that was- of that like second wave feminist movement where you know it was like, hey, you got to start being more independent, and you know. I- I think it would be third wave. Third already? Maybe it is considered second wave, but I feel like the first wave has to be the suffragette movement, and the second wave has to be the 60s, and then the third the third wave would be the 80s. But I don't know. I'm I not would, good on feminism. I, I will defer to you on that one. I think you know more about it than I do. Yeah, I, f- I feel like. But I'm not, I'm not a thousand percent sure, because although I like history, I don't ever remember it very well. <laughs> Because I have memory issues or something. I think I have too much stuff going on in my head to actually remember the stuff that I love. That's probably it. Yeah, but, um... Yeah. Um, what, you also get that line where Ellie is, like... He's, like, going on a trip fest about the machine or whatever, and she's like, is this like when you told us we could smoke banana peels? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? That was, that was a good line. <laughs> that was a really good line. Um, he, so the professor goes full hippie, and then he ends up going back in space. And that's when they decided to chase electricity itself so that the machine can't get the power from the power plant so it can't overload the system. And then just cause the apocalypse, I guess. And um, this is also where you get one of my favorite lines in which Vinny says, This is like an e ride in Disneyland, <laughs> which is just great. Back when um, Disneyland used to do separate tickets for the rides, um, it would be like A, B, C, D, E, and E was always like the best ride. Like Splash Mountain would be an E ticket ride or Space Mountain, and like A would be like Snow White's Adventure <laughs> or Small World. So I was like, yeah, E ticket ride. Um, my mom knows because I, this is, oh, I should mention, this was also one that I kind of sort of forced ish my mom to watch with me because just because she's, you know, it was on, we watched it on one of the nights in which we typically watch TV together. So, um, she noticed that during the scene, the speedometer changed in look and changed what speed it was as well. So, and yeah, I rewound to find out. So first it goes to 80 and then it cuts back down to 70 and it looks like an entirely different speedometer. And then it climbs back up to like 120, wherever he ends up at. But it does jump in there, like not in a chronological way that it should <laughs> No, yeah. there was there was some weird cutting in there, especially when they hit that blower. And I guess we're supposed to assume that they hit like Mach one or something, because I mean, literally, they outrun electricity to get yeah. to one of the like power lines and blow it up, which they do. Like they get to a power line and they have enough time to blow it up before the the Is power surge gets there. Yes, and I. Mm, this is where I'm like, I don't know. No, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> no. Like, I don't I mean, know electricity one, and how fast it is. One could lead. I, I would say maybe this has to do with um, it because it wasn't maybe a, exactly a power surge, but a power drain. Maybe the drain was happening slower than the power surge would occur. Again, yeah. that's just me trying to fill in the blanks of bad logic or lazy screenwriting. 
yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was very, I was like, why are we cut? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was very confused watching this movie. But yeah. I did also have my mother saying, why are we watching this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, they feel like they save the day and you get Ellie and Michael you know Michael takes Ellie home after they save the day and that's when you get that oh they do like each other and they're very cute together and you get the the line where he's like I just I don't trust people I only trust cars. And she's like, you've just trusted the wrong people, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very cute. I really liked their relationship. I'm like, oh, a little condescending, but in a, in a heartfelt way. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. He sneaks in. Um, Davy Crockett is playing on the TV for some reason. I think also earlier when he comes in to get the machine, Ren 1010 is playing on the TV. So I guess they like listening to classic TV. I just feel like it was one of those weird, like, why is Davy Crockett on TV right now? You know, I would um, imagine it's because they probably didn't have to pay very much for the licensing. If it was especially if it was like public domain. <laughs> Yeah, that's but, true. But Davy Crockett was Disney, so maybe they just yeah, got a good like Davy Crockett. I was gonna say Davy Crockett's Disney, so that probably maybe it was just an ad for Davy Crockett. Because <laughs> when you hear Davy Davy Crockett, like you kind of have to. Oh, I want to go watch Davy Crockett now. Maybe I don't know. Um, but um, oh no, my phone. But he goes in, and then. This guy wants to arrest him. There's yeah, a detective somebody was just in waiting. his room, yeah. hiding in the shadows of his room, just waiting to arrest him with, like, no warrant, no nothing other than they know that he was at the school when the professor disappeared and when, I mean, I guess they did blow up a power line, so I guess he should be arrested for that. But I mean, they, they worked the pretty world. fast. Yeah, yeah, they did work pretty fast. Yeah, like they put it um, together. They were at the house. They didn't even have a a, a warrant. They were just like, nope, mm-hmm. we know you were involved somehow. We're going to take you. Yep. Um, Michael manages to call Ellie to tell her, you know, hey, the cops are here. Be careful. We need to explain the situation. Can you please go get the gizmo thing? Because it never has a name, so I just called it the gizmo. Um, can you go get it and bring it to the police station? So we'll show them how it works, and they'll understand and won't arrest us anymore, basically. Um, you get the funny scene of Vinny trying to do his mugshot with glasses on. That doesn't work out quite well. <laughs> No, that cop was not putting up with his BS. Yeah, she was She was not. And um, in the meantime, while they're being arrested and getting told their Miranda rights, Ellie goes back and the nerdy guy is there. Sherman. Sorry, I should not call him the nerdy guy. That's very stereotypical of me. But he very is much the stereotypical nerd. Um, Sherman's there and... Sherman naturally plugs the machine back in for whatever reason. And this time, I guess the power line is not fully blown up. I guess they fixed it. This time, that machine gets full power. 
and the apocalypse begins. Ellie gets thrown across the room and hits her head on something, and Sherman freaks out and tries to run out of the building. Um, in the meantime... Oh, the power goes out off the whole city. And as the power goes out, that's when Michael and Vinny make their escape from the police station. And they head to the high school. Now, real quick, before we leave that scene, uh, did you notice what happened to the lady cop that was essentially not putting up with Vinny? As soon as the lights start flickering, like everybody starts looking around and she reaches for her gun and she has her hand on it while she's Uh looking around at the lights, like what's going on? Uh-huh. I'm like, is that normal cop behavior? It was like, lights are flickering, better get my gun drawn just in case. Like, what is that? Seems a little uh, trigger happy. Like, she just wants to shoot somebody. <laughs> We're going to try to not get political. No, um, it is not <laughs> appropriate gun behavior because you should only put your hand over your gun if you know that there is an absolute threat. Um but yeah, she definitely seems like a tripper happy yeah. police. And, and I mean, Vinny was definitely playing with fire right there. It seems like he could have been the one next. I don't... Oh, God. But... Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> okay. But... Um, um, they... For whatever reason, and I don't fully understand why, they take two cars away from the police station. Um, Michael takes his GTO, and Vinny takes a cop car. I feel like they probably just did it because Vinny just wanted to steal a cop car. But Yeah, there was no reason and for they it. Just, yeah, there was no reason for it. I, I don't know if maybe they cut out a chase scene or something. Like, maybe they needed to split due to a chase scene because they clearly don't get to the high school at the same exact time yeah they but, probably needed to go to two different locations for some reason but yeah, yeah you're, you're not wrong there definitely were like from the from what i've read and heard about this movie there were budget cuts that were happening as the movie was filming they're like nope we can't do that anymore um yeah so like there was a like a a planned out sequence for the beginning with the ships flying and the crash landing and you were actually going to have the the aliens make an appearance they were uh, Mm -hmm. apparently they were voiced by frank welker who has done so many voices but you'll remember uh, you'll probably know him best as the voice of uh stitch and um he's also Mm -hmm. done everything from like megatron to uh Mm -hmm. fred from scooby-doo um, uh-huh. To just, I mean, all over the place. He's just one of those prolific voice actors. Um, but yeah, apparently they hired him to do alien voices, um, and that was never used because they're like, nope, we got to cut this out, got to cut that out. So yeah, we probably missed out on a few scenes that need bridged yeah. some of that, you know, the sequences. Yeah, I definitely feel like I missed out on a lot to explain <laughs> this last upcoming smorgasbord oh yeah well and i would say that this is this was the appeal of the movie to my younger self Mm -hmm. is this whole which again i distinctly remember that this part was a bigger part of the movie but no it was just kind of like the last 10 minutes if that minutes yeah so stuff happens in 10 minutes yeah yeah they get back to the school they meet up with sherman who now is basically kind of explaining what's happened he's essentially the Yes. Like plot explainer, 
or um, yes. like exposition dumper. And yeah, it's like, yeah, so this much. thing is altering space and time. Now, like, all different times are whatever. And it starts off pretty simple. Like, at first, you're just seeing what kind of looks like holograms of other people from different times. Yep. They're just kind of like ghostly apparitions. Powers up a bit more, and they're actual people from other times that are, for whatever reason, every single person that was violent and wants to. Yeah, just... there was no. Well, at the very beginning, you have like a philosopher-looking person wearing some like very Italian Renaissance clothes. But yeah, every yeah. person that physically materializes is like, I don't know where I am. I don't know who you are. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, pretty much, which, I mean, I guess kind of makes sense. Like, it, it's a scary situation, and the first thought of, I'm just, I'm going to have to fight my way out of this, I guess. Um, they also do this scene where, you know, Michael's like, where's Ellie or whatever, and Sherman's like, she's back at the machine, basically the work, worst place ever to be. And But they show the little science skeleton in first as opposed to referring to her like she's dead oh no that's just a fake skeleton and then they pan out oh she's just passed out by the fake skeleton okay good yeah that was pretty uh -huh. good yeah so we're kind of running through chronologically so like they run into i guess what they refer to as a neanderthal man it just looks like a man in a gorilla suit kind of yeah and, and they, they fight it actually first they also run into cleopatra well, doesn't say Cleopatra, but it's clearly Cleopatra and Vinny like kind of sort of hits on her and she kind of sort of hits back and I mean as would happen, you know. <laughs> as would very... happen. Yes. Yeah. And uh <laughs> she only did it for power. Vinny has no power. She ain't going to go for him, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he could lie and just be like, "Oh yeah, here I'm an emperor." <laughs> I own Brooklyn. That's why I am Vinny of Brooklyn. <laughs> Vinny of Brooklyn, yes. Um, then you run into another sequence where it now it's it's not just transporting individuals, but like actual like environments are being pulled in. And yes, you get you, like a gladiator scene. Yeah, you have a, a Roman gladiator who I think had just killed somebody. Um, mm -hmm. says something in Latin, which I think roughly translated to um, those who are about to die salute you or something like that. I think it was the same line that they say in the Gladiator movie. Yeah. And so. so they end up killing the Gladiator just kind of easily, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it kind of wasn't too hard. That yeah. guy has trained his entire life for, you know, I don't know. Clearly but, stronger than all three of them put together, and yet they took him down, like, without really much of a struggle. Yes. Um, then, which uh, I do like how they just dragged Sherman along with him, because Sherman just left Ellie in there. And you're like, Sherman, you're coming with us, right? Uh, yes, but, he needs to atone. Yes. Then you get um, the Vietnam War, I think, and that's where we get the guns from. Yes. So. Uh, well, uh, before that, though, Vinny did steal the shotgun from the police car. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Vinny that's... did already have a shotgun on and him. And as a because... matter of fact, he used it to bring down the Neanderthal by basically hitting him in the balls. Yeah. How did Which, that scene? I mean, that's, that, that, that's always going to be a tried and true method, though. I mean, like anytime you're confronted with something you don't know, just hit it in the gonads and uh, you can bring it down. Always go for the weak spots That's right. when you're fighting for survival. Always go for the weak spots. No need to be your hero. 
just <laughs> survive. Exactly. There's no um, honor in combat. Oh, also, you get that after they pick up the guns, you get that Sherman knows how to use it and teaches how to use it because he read about it somewhere. <laughs> like, okay, because that's how reading works. It just teaches you how to use a weapon. I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess yeah. they were trying to show maybe that, you know, because he's just smart in general, he knows how things work. But I would figure that that would actually be more true for Harlan that knows actual yeah. mechanics. And I was like, yes. well, I mean... In order to make this work, you need to prime the thing to, and then pull the trigger and whatever. Uh, but no, yeah, he seems to be pretty comfortable. Knows how to like reload it and like cock it and everything. And um, yep. that's what they do. And then they start fighting. I guess mutants of the apocalypse. I assume so because they're getting shot at with lasers. I will note that I have in my notes during this scene. My mom straight up asked me, "What was this guy on when he wrote this?" <laughs> and I wrote, "I don't know, probably LSD, mom." <laughs> like, He's just doing hits of pure oxygen, probably. Probably, probably pure oxygen, most likely cocaine. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was the '80s. You wouldn't be far off. I know, right? But I'm just... I have to include that in my notes, that this was when my mom was like, wait, what are we watching now? Like, <laughs> and I had to tell her, I don't know anymore. It's... What? So you get... Yeah. Oh, if you, if you, you want to... If, if, if you... I wouldn't say enjoy is the right word, but if you were perplexed by the, the heart right turns that this movie takes, I strongly suggest you watch Santa Claus in the movie. One of my week's okay. watches from a few months ago. That one, one yeah. that one will take some turns, trust me. <laughs> it is actually on my list after you talked about it because it sounded so crazy that I was like, okay, I could watch this. Yes, it's, it's going to be um, right at home with one of these movies. Yeah. I know. Although maybe I should just add it to the gems because we do need to talk about holiday movies too. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Maybe I'll rewatch it again. It. That's uh, definitely worth it. <laughs> Um, let me see. Oh, and then you get the T-Rex scene with like a whole volcano in the background of the gymnasium. <laughs> now I'm that... Like, wait, that threw me off because that <laughs> volcano was clearly like miles and miles away. Hey, timey-wimey. <laughs> but no, because <laughs> un- that means the entire... Like all these people are stuck in this, but it was clearly what the movie was saying. It was just the school... But when you throw that volcano, you're like, no, this implies that the entire, like, United States is involved now, or at least the state or Arizona is involved. Well, I was, my interpretation of that, because, yes, that was kind of wacky, is that it was creating portals. So what we were seeing, if, I mean, again, making excuses for what's possibly just lazy writing, is that, that looking through the actual portal, and yes. so the portal was showing the background. So the portal right. So was what we like, were. S- Okay. Exactly. So probably the gymnasium wall was still the wall, but if you went through it, you would then go into a whole different area in time and space. And we were just kind of seeing what was at the other end of this portal where the T-Rex came out. Which, by the way, not a very convincing (laughs) T-Rex. No. Granted, this was six years. It's the T-Rex from um, the Fantasia display in the Disneyland train. 
You know, I wouldn't be surprised at that point. Yeah, it looks very... That's what it looked like. It looked like the animatronic. <laughs> it actually very much looked like an animatronic T-Rex, actually. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, yeah... Wonder if- there, there was definitely a com- combination of puppetry and animatronics and some rear projection in some parts. Um, yeah. Because it almost never seemed like those people were in the same room as the T-Rex, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no. And I, I, I do wonder... Oh, I have to remember what the crap that ride is called in order to figure it out. But there... I mean, there really is. When you're on the train in Disneyland, There, they have this little scenescape that you go through. And first you go through the Grand Canyon and then you jump into prehistoric times and it's that scene from the original Fantasia movie um, where they have the dinosaurs and it's it has the scene of the T-Rex fighting the uh, oh I cannot remember the name of the dinosaur that it fights Stegosaurus I think um, I think it's Stegosaurus the Stegosaurus is and the that- one that has like the diamond shaped plates on its back Yes, and the spikes on its tail. Yeah, that's that's a stego. Yes, that is that is what it is fighting, and I feel like that might be. I feel I can't remember when they launched that ride, but I thought it might have been the eighties. Not a ride; it was like a scenescape. Actually, no. Actually, they might have always had it. I can't remember. Is it the train that just kind of goes around the whole park? Yeah, it's a train that goes around the whole park, but okay. the actual scenes that, that you can see, it's when you're passing through Tomorrowland. Um, that, I think, is up or down. But I feel like I did see it written in on the original map that I had a copy of, so it probably was there. It's not a scene, it's a, what do you call it, like a ter- terrarium? Not a Like terrarium. a diorama, maybe? diorama there you go it's a massive diorama um i can't but that's exactly what that t-rex reminded me of was the t-rex from the fantasia diorama i wouldn't be surprised if it was the same one um and we'll touch up on some more dinosaur trivia towards the end of this here um but yeah so they murder the t-rex with Yes. Machine gun fire, and that's not taking it down. They shoot a yes. grenade into its stomach, and that finally kills that it. Poor, poor dinosaur. It yeah, to which I think when they started pointing their guns at it, I was like, shoot shoot for like <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> Velociraptor scene I always love. shoot But no. Poor dinosaurs. No, you got to grenade her. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so that brings it down. And so I guess they finally make their way into the 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 room Science where they room. had the the device and it's an electric cyclone storm thing. Yeah, Yay. which I mean, uh, obviously all of its budget went to like these optical effects because man, they have a lot of that swirly light stuff going on here uh in this one scene. Um yeah. But it kind of seems like Harlan's going to sacrifice himself. He's like, I need to take care of this. He, yes. like, holds on to it, pulls the power. It looks like it sucks him up and disappears. But then he's back. Yep. But then he comes back. He fixed it somehow, and everything comes back. I will also note that between them, um, Mike also saves Ellie. And Ellie wakes up fine, all of a sudden not needing glasses anymore. <laughs> so that Ellie Never technology explained. 
But for the rest of the movie, she will not be wearing glasses. <laughs> See, that, no. that device has multiple purposes. One of them is like ripping holes in space and time, and others yeah, are giving characters their arc and also improving their eyesight. Yep, I guess it improved her eyesight because <laughs> I, I don't know why. Why can't she not wear her glasses? Her glasses were cute, but whatever. <laughs> So, oh, I think I, guess... I wrote the reason why he could come back was because the machine decided he was worthy <laughs> and popped him <laughs> back into our universe to kiss his girlfriend. <laughs> or he wasn't worth it and was like, what is this trash? You yeah, know? whatever. Um, the professor also comes back and he's yelling at the police officers that have now surround the high school and is talking about Woodstock. To which the kids go, what's Woodstock? To which I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you not know what Woodstock is? It's only the 80s. Like, I know what Woodstock is, and I was born in the 90s. Like, Well, but there was a different time where, like, 60s stuff wasn't really that interesting anymore. To, and, and also, I mean, this was before the internet and MTV and music videos okay, and VH1. I that's fair. Yeah, I guess you're right. I did have the internet. But I did also have a dad who listened to that music, so... <laughs> right now interesting to note here when dennis hopper comes back and he's talking about being in woodstock he was in a movie in the 60s called easy rider and he comes back dressed up as his character from that movie oh that's pretty neat yeah it's kind of a neat little homage and yeah he comes back talking about basically like oh the man is i, I believe he says some pretty like derogatory things to the police officer um and um, yeah, they just let everybody go, except for the the teacher, I guess. They're like, nope, never mind that you guys like left the police station and stole a High cop car risk. and took a gun and blew up a like power pole. Like you guys are cool, Whatever. but we're gonna get this beatnik into jail because screw him or something. I don't know what's going on I there. I don't even know what happened i mean i guess they realized that the teenagers saved the day and went eh, they're teenagers and eh, paperwork so <laughs> there you go yeah it's um, 80s yep and then to finish us off we you know mike and ellie go back to the airfield they drop the gizmo back into the hole and they leave as they leave for whatever reason the gto breaks down i assume because there's still a bit of residual power in the engine from the machine thing and this is where you get that wonderful character building line of hey it's just a car right and he goes and walks into town with ellie who still does not have her glasses on (laughs) nope and as they walk away into the like morning light um, like you see the little purple sparklies showing that oh did this car get somehow infused with some of that alien energy yes maybe we'll find out uh, spoiler alert no we never do this movie no, we never, never goes any further than this well we could do it we could make the sequel I'm pretty sure we could I was thinking um, as a potential addition sometimes a segment to some of these is like could you redo remake reboot or do a 30 years long sequel to a movie like this and how would you do it I feel like you definitely could whether or not it'd be great though but like basically the sequel would be that the car is the time machine now like (laughs) that's how it's going to be and so it'd be more of a traveling through time thing I feel like which 
I feel like currently has been overplayed. So it might not work right now. I do think this first movie could be redone to be significantly more interesting, though. And, well, significantly better well done. Like, I think it's an interesting plot. Like, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It really makes zero sense. Because you don't even know why this alien machine was with the aliens in the first place. Which I guess is where you get that scene that you apparently did have a scene with the aliens talking. But um, that was cut. It was, uh, I think the, yeah, the implication was that this was a a component of the ship that handled, um, you know, like warping of space time in order for it to travel, um, like Mm -hmm. the, the long distances that ships like that would need to, it's not very clear. Like I said, you kind of have to infer a lot of from that. Um, but, uh, overall, yeah, like I feel like it has all of the necessary pieces for a good story. They just, I don't think they told it well. <laughs> and that may come from one of the things I wanted to bring up, which is the director for this movie is a person by the name of Jonathan Buthel? Buell? Mm-hmm. I forget his name. It's hard to pronounce. Um, but he's interesting because he also, Butel, it I don't know. It's a hard last name to pronounce. I don't know how you say those combinations of letters um but he was known for writing the last starfighter now that is one of my favorite movies of the 80s also and you can kind of see how it shares some of its dna with this movie Uh but the last starfighter was just so much better told and i think that's because that probably had a much better director behind it um sometimes you know writers think they can do directing and vice versa and they really shouldn't um like the last starfighter was directed by nick castle who's done other things such as um an 80s movie called the boy who could fly that was a weird one um escape from (laughs) new york um he was more of a writer on that one um but he definitely looks like he has a much better pedigree um he did an amazing story which actually Oh, he did Dennis the Menace, the uh, the oh. first one with uh, Walter Matthau. Um, oh, I like that one. So, I forgot where I was going with this. I had a tangent on it. Oh, yes, amazing stories. Oh. So, I was thinking that this the story didn't really warrant enough of a full-length picture based on just how nonsensical and it felt like it was just missing too many like details. But this would have been yeah. perfect as an amazing story, if you ever are familiar yeah. with that TV show. Um, yeah, this would have felt right at home in like a 30 to 45 minute chunk of a story as opposed to an hour and a half or however long this was where you could have just had a story about an alien device where you don't have to worry too much about the details about where it came from just worry about what its effects are and then at the end of it just kind of put it away you know it's almost indiana jones in that sense um where you have this artifact where it causes these blue swirly lights or these white swirly lights and then at the end rather than trying to figure it out you're just like you know what we're not ready for this let's just put this away somewhere um it has those elements. It's just the story's not well delivered. And I think it just comes down to this person not being qualified to be a director. And I th- that might sound kind of mean to say, but his next and last movie was Theodore Rex. So that firmly put an end to his directing career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a movie I know. 
that that is the opposite of a VHS gem. That is like VHS cancer. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not sure which one that is, that's the Whoopi Goldberg movie where she plays a cop and her partner is a humanoid dinosaur, not unlike the dinosaurs from the TV show Dinosaurs. And it's never really explained why dinosaurs coexist with humans, but they do, and they're buddy cops. It is not a comedy. This is like try to play it's played as a straight like wow. Like almost like a lethal weapon kind of movie. Oh, Okay. Yes, several careers should have been ended by that movie. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well. Wow. Well, that was my science project from 1985. <laughs> what more can you say? <laughs> what more can you say? Many it's it's not the worst of the science themed. Uh, movies from the 80s like real genius or weird science um but it's definitely not the the best yeah not not quite the best uh, it's um, not also the worst either i would say um no yeah pretty pretty good but it it was fun to watch i guess i'm not based yeah. in this movie up very I, well i enjoyed this more than stay tuned so it was a win um, if people want to ask you if there are any other films shot in that airfield Tucson location, <laughs> where can they find you? At? Oh, yeah, I know all of them. Yeah, hit me up. You can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. And you know what? Maybe one day we'll organize a little field trip out there just to take a look ourselves. Yeah, we should. It would be fun. I don't want to break an enter, though, to do it, though. We should I mean, to go I feel like... It. I feel like we have to find that particular hole in the fence just to relive it. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: we're not just scrappy little teenagers just out being reckless. We're okay. actual adults that would actually be arrested. You are correct. No, actually, I'm more worried about my knees now that you mention it. So you're right. We should do it the right way. Yeah, and uh, I'm definitely not, you know, scratching up any of my clothes on a fence. No, thank you. Um, right on. If you'd like to tweet me. Or, or also tweet me with recommendations for any VHS gems that you think we should watch. Go ahead and tweet me at JM Bailey Writes. Um, you can find archives of this podcast, including the original first season, in which it is not us. It came out like five ish years ago, I think. And it was with Mitch and Angela and Chris doing the VHS gems. Um, you can find those on our website, newly revisioned website geekelitemedia.com um, if um, you can find Geek Elite Media on Twitter as at Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on Instagram as well and it'll be facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media um, we do also have a Patreon page so if you got a couple dollars that you could spare it'd be very wonderful if you could go to our Patreon page Geek Elite Media there as well and you will see a lot of bonus content on there for a couple of the other podcasts. And eventually we'll have bonus con content for this podcast as well. Um, if you could at least, though, wherever you're watching this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe um, onto your podcatcher. And yeah, give us, give us a like. There you go. Um, until then, always remember to... 
Geek out. Geek out. <laughs> this concludes our broadcast. Peace.